Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Well, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to those of you watching online. Uh, I don't know if you can see everybody in the room. I've got to tell you, if you're at home in bed right now, Jesus still loves you, uh, but you're missing out because in this room, we've got some great people. So would the guys in the room today like to make some noise for the guys online? Go, make some noise. We love you. We're excited you're here with us. And if you're watching online, uh, we're going to come back to you in a moment and you have a chance to pray for another. Um, but is everybody doing okay? Everyone excited? It's a good day to be in church together. So I remember the first time I came to church. I wasn't raised with a, a Christian faith. And aged 18, I had an experience of the love of God. Totally transformed my life. And I thought all Christians were really weird. No offense. I just thought you were all really strange. Um, some of you are. I mean, some of us are. I mean, what I mean, not you particularly. Um, but, you know, you know, we're quite a strange bunch, aren't we? And I thought it was a bit eccentric. And why would I want to go to church? It was all quite weird. And, and then I walked into the doors of a church. And I found that it was, it was like, felt like coming home. And I remember at the back of the service, the first person I met was the vicar of that church, a man called Sandy Miller. And Sandy Miller said to me, he said, well, two questions. He said, firstly, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And I said, I think, I think so. I'd become a Christian about a month earlier, and it had been pretty powerful in my room on my own. I'd experienced the love of God. And so I said, I, th I think so. It was kind of like, I didn't want to like preclude the fact that there might be more to my experience of God than I'd kind of come across. But I said, I, I think so, but I don't know. And then he said to me the second question. He said, well, would you like me to pray that God would fill you today? And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? Why not? And he prayed for me. And I remember really clearly that that was an extraordinarily important moment in my life. It wasn't very kind of, you know, um, uh, spiritually kind of like I didn't take off or levitate or like, uh, you know, start flying around the room. But I felt in my heart the love of God. It moved from my head to my heart. It moved from being a theory to being a love affair of the heart. That Jesus is real. Paul writes in Romans, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's when it went from being a Sunday school thing to being a passionate experience of God's love. And so for that reason, looking back at my life, I've been a Christian now for over 25 years. I don't think I would be here today were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the chance to get prayed for. And all the way through my Christian life, I've always looked for a church to belong to where I can get prayed for. And I often say this, if you can't get prayed for in a church, <laughs> I don't know where you're going to get prayed for, right? The point is we want a culture as a church where we make space to recognize that we need Jesus. Amen? That we need to be filled with people who need help. And in my life, uh, there have been seasons when I felt like I've been running on empty. I don't know if you have a phone, uh, but you know, sometimes when your phone runs right down these days, it goes on to like power reserve. I think it just means that it's like on like 5% and it, 
my phone kind of the battery goes yellow and it means that it's not going to load the website or it's not going to like it just ha- you have to plug it in and you can still make phone calls you can still sort of function but you're not accessing the fullness of what that phone is meant to do there've been times in my spiritual life when i felt like i've been on power reserve i've been going through the motions i've been coming to church on the outside that the thing looks the same but there's no power and then you plug the phone back in and the phone recharges and then suddenly you can do everything that phone is meant to do in the same way i believe as a church we're called to be people who rely on the holy spirit who make space for the holy spirit to fill us to empower us that we wouldn't operate as christians on power reserve on low power mode but actually we'd operate as christians out of the fullness of the power of god working in our weakness just in our ordinary lives that god would work and encourage us and fill us and so over the years i've made it a habit to be a part of a church community where there's space to get prayed for and at times i've seen the lord do incredible things i mean crazy things people getting filled with the power of god unable to stand people getting healed people experiencing incredible emotional and healing and other times you know i don't often seem doesn't seem to be that much going on but it's true isn't it that that still waters often run very deep sometimes a river will look like a waterfall and power and and other times it's just deep and it seems to be nothing going on but actually there's a depth to what god's doing And so what we've been doing over the last few weeks in this series is looking at some of the core things that we as a church community feel are really important. We looked at worship, making space to worship together. And today I want to look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to in a sense do a bit of practical equipping. So this is a bit more of a workshop than a preach and we are going to get practical. So um enjoy this. It's going to be fun. Uh, you'll notice that when we gather on a Sunday we always make space for what we call times of prayer ministry. And that's because we want to allow God to be the kind of thing that really impacts us, not like a performance or a show or lights or incense or a smoke machine or whatever floats your boat. It's actually the presence of God. that really makes a difference in my life and our lives. And so today what I want to do is is help us all understand some of the basics around how we pray for each other when we gather on a Sunday. Think of this as like an MOT or a refresher or like prayer ministry 101. I'm doing this today practically because I want everybody here to leave today confident that they can pray for somebody else. Okay? whether you're in your connect group or with your flatmate or your friend or your husband or your partner that you feel confident knowing the common language of how we pray for one another and if you've been around church for a while you'll be like well I, I don't know if they need me down the front to pray for people well you know the reality is we we've, we've got a bit out of practice with this we've had a pandemic which has meant we haven't been able to gather and when we have gathered we couldn't do ministry so think of this as today as a bit of a reset moment a reboot moment around the ministry of the holy spirit practically as well in a couple of weeks time uh, we literally have hundreds of people coming to spend the 19th and 20th with us for renaissance and we as the church are hosting them and i want everyone those people to leave full of the holy spirit so we're going to need you guys to pray for everyone 
You are the ministry team. And my vision, my dream for that event is not that, that we see people leaving having had a great time. That'd be wonderful. But actually people would leave full of the love of God, full of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the practicalities. Uh, my job as a pastor, as a teacher, is to equip you to feel confident to do what, what the Bible talks about, the work of ministry. That's what we do. We pray for another. We're administering the Holy Spirit. So look with me at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Hopefully it'll come up. Oh, look, you're amazing. It's coming up on the screen behind me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And this is in the New um, King James Version. I like this translation for this verse. It says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, notice that, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, it means building up of the body of Christ. That's what we're doing today, equipping the saints. You and I, we're getting equipped to know how to do this. Now, some of us may feel like we are experts at how to pray for people. Like you've prayed for people for years. You're like a, like, you've got like an advanced degree, a doctorate, a master's in Christian prayer ministry. Others of us may be like, I have never prayed for anyone. And that's great. I'm going to talk to the latter and assume we know nothing about this, okay? And if you've got a PhD in prayer ministry, then good on you, but it's not going to be that helpful around here because actually we're all in the same boat. This is a beginner's, we all have our L plate on. We're all in it together. So what I want to do is just take a few minutes to talk about three things. Number one, a theology of prayer ministry. Number two, a model and number three, a practice. Theology, firstly. John Wimber defined prayer ministry like this. He said this, Ministry is the meeting of the needs of the world on the basis of God's resources. The meeting of the needs of the world on the basis of God's resources. That's a brilliant definition. It's not about us. It's not our technique or our words. It's God's resources. The Holy Spirit who will meet people and fill people. Look with me, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus' ministry announces the arrival of the kingdom of God. And everywhere Jesus goes, the kingdom of God comes. What does that look like? Well, let's read on. Jesus doesn't just do it all himself, but he then equips his disciples, the 12 closest people to him, to go and do the stuff that he's called us to do. So John... Um, uh, in Luke, sorry, chapter 9, verses 1, 2, 6, and um, uh, 7, says this, When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So Jesus comes, and something extraordinary begins to happen. The power of God comes into villages and towns. But then he says, it's not just about me. You're all going to get to go and do this stuff. And then he sends out the 12, and they go out, and they do the same stuff that Jesus has been doing. Now, notice the word authority in that scripture. Notice the word authority. I want to explain to you what authority is. Uh, a few uh, months ago, we did a wedding here, uh, a while ago, and uh, the, the wedding reception was happening kind of after the wedding, and uh, this guy who'd been out uh, kind of on the streets had heard that there was like free booze, so he was like, I'm coming into the wedding reception, and he wasn't invited, he was gate crasher, and he was like, I want some free booze, let me in, and I was like, do you know what, you're not invited, I'm really sorry, and he was like, who are you? And I said, well, I'm the vicar. He said, so? 
I'm coming in. There's free champagne. I'm coming in. You can't stop me. So I said to him, look, uh, actually, I can stop you. As the rector of Hackney, I have the legal and spiritual custodianship of this church by the means of the authority conferred on me by the divine will and providence of the bishops of London, the heirs and successors by the grace of God. Now, he wasn't that impressed. He just looked at me and was like, so? <laughs> and then a very nice gentleman from the police turned up. And he had a uniform on. He had a high-vis jacket. He had some handcuffs. He had a radio. He had a notebook. And as soon as he arrived, well, you can imagine, our guest decided that this wasn't the moment to exert his authority or challenge his authority. He just legged it off into the bushes and was never seen again. Now, that's authority. As Christians, we need to exercise God's authority. You can say, well, you know, I give regularly to church. I'm in a connect group. The devil's not that interested in that. I mean, of course, it's very important. Your authority comes from who you are in Christ. You have a uniform. You're clothed with Christ. You have a radio of sorts. Your ability to communicate with the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can radio HQ and say, Lord, how would, you, would you help in this situation? You have a notebook. You have the Word of God. Sharpen the double-edged sword. The Bible is powerful. You have the authority given from heaven to, to bind things and loose things on earth in Jesus' name. Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, we loose in heaven. So we have extraordinary spiritual authority. And I want you to, to understand that. It's not about you or your qualification. It comes from Jesus who empowers us. And this isn't just for the super Christians, like, you know, John Palmiter. You know, John Palmiter, I can imagine that God uses John Palmiter. He's amazing. No, it's for ordinary people like you and me. We're all broken people. We're all just sinners on the way to heaven. Jesus is the one who does the stuff. Amen. Then listen to this, first to 12. Then in Luke 10, verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. God sends Jesus. Jesus starts doing his stuff. Then Jesus appoints 12. And then he appoints 72. Do you get what's going on? God's giving it away. He wants you and I to exercise his ministry on behalf of our Heavenly Father. Why? Because he loves people. He wants you and I to be involved in seeing his kingdom come. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is poured out. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus said this before Pentecost to the disciples. He said, wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. When the power of God comes on the day of Pentecost, the early church is born. The church spreads like wildfire. And wherever the church meets, the Spirit of God pours out. They pray for one another. They lay hands on one another. The sick get healed. The same stuff that Jesus did happens. And all the way through history, wherever we see the church growing, you find the signs of the kingdom of God coming. Think of um, the medieval church amazing outpourings of the Holy Spirit all the way through church history. Revivals, time and time again, when people go back to doing what Jesus called them to do, get away from the hype and the hysteria and just say, Jesus, would you do the stuff? Would you help this person? God is faithful and he does it. 
So throughout history, our calling as the church has been to minister to one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? That's the theory, if you like. That's the theology in a nutshell. And we could spend a lifetime talking about this, by the way. So that's like the start of a 10. Secondly, our model. In other words, how do we do this stuff? Well, first thing is we, we always make space for the Holy Spirit to come. That's why we, at the end of our services, in a sense, what we do when we gather for churches, we have worship, we hear some teaching, we make space for ministry. We do that because it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to fill every one of us. So how do we pray for one another? Here are some practical tips. So in a moment, I'm going to encourage anyone who'd like to, to have a go at this. And here is sort of five or six practical tips that you need to bear in mind. Number one, be relaxed. Be relaxed. When we ask the Holy Spirit, he's responsible for coming, not you responsible for kind of whipping him up. We don't hype up the Holy Spirit. He comes down. So the pressure is off you and I. We don't have to to kind of impress God or, or try and sort of use expensively crafted language or look the part. We can relax because it's the Holy Spirit who does the ministry, not us. So we go for simplicity, for truthfulness in all aspects of our prayers for people. If someone's being prayed for and, and they experience the love of God and the power of God, that's wonderful. If they're like, you know what? Nothing happened. That's okay. We don't have to make stuff up. We're not trying to kind of um, persuade people. We can relax. It's the Spirit who does the stuff. And we receive, as you know, by faith. What do I mean by that? Well, we don't receive by works, hype it up, or try and whip ourselves up into a frenzy. We receive by faith, by receiving. So what I want to encourage you to do when you're being prayed for is just receive by receiving, just to do it. How do you ride a bicycle? You get on a bicycle and you ride. You don't stand there and go, well, in... 1902, the Marcel brothers created the pneumatic tire, and then the tire was connected to the, the, the main frame of the bike. You don't stand there analyzing it. Well, you get on a bike and you ride the bike. The same is true of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we receive by receiving. And I've got to be honest with you, there are loads of times when I've been prayed for and I feel nothing at all. And that's just as important as the times I've been prayed for. And I'm really overwhelmed with emotion or the love or the power of God. It's about faithfulness and availability to God, not about our feelings or our emotions. So when we pray for people, we don't want to put burdens on them. We can be relaxed. We want people to feel free to come back week after week and be prayed for. And I'd love to encourage you, if you've never been prayed for in a church, make it a regular habit to come forward and get someone to pray for you. I remember as a young Christian, realizing how much I needed Jesus, I would be at the front of church every week. If someone gave a word of knowledge for a, a kind of a, a pregnant lady, I would come forward and say, I know I'm not a pregnant lady, but I just really need prayer. Can I come forward? <laughs> I know in my life it's been so important to make space for God to meet with me. So number one, be relaxed. Number two, be expectant for God to move. If you're praying for someone, be expectant by faith that he's going to do it. Faith is really important. Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Jesus said this. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Talking about the disciples. We need faith when we pray. But crucially, we don't need the people who are being prayed for to have faith. 
Really important. When someone comes forward for healing, I'm not asking them and expecting them to sort of believe they're going to get healed. That's works. This is grace. That means that if they get healed, that's wonderful. But for those who are still praying, it's good to come with an attitude of faith to remind ourselves that it's God who's doing this stuff, that we don't have to hype it up, that this is normal. It's normative in the Christian faith. Throughout 2,000 years, the church has gathered and prayed for each other. And so we can be expectant for God to do some things when we gather. And also, it's, it's never anybody's fault if they don't get healed or nothing happens. It's really important to understand this. It's not, um, we don't earn this conditionally with God. God is God. He's more than able to do what he wants to do. And so I want to encourage you not to place burdens on people. Say, oh, well, you didn't receive anything from the Lord today. There must be some sin in your life. Uh, well, you know, we all have sin in our lives, right? If that was a qualification for being a Christian, then, you know, that's the point. Jesus came to minister to people who are sinners. All of us are broken. All of us need help. We come by grace. And so be expectant that God just is longing to fill people. He's longing to meet with you. And thirdly, be practical. Uh, keep your eyes open as you're praying for someone. If you're praying for someone, keep your eyes open. I know it sounds stupid, but somebody on the day of Pentecost presumably had their eyes open because they noticed that tongues of fire were falling around the room. Everyone's got their eyes closed. You can't see what's going on. You can't see if someone's crying or... Happy? It's just important to be practical. So I always try and stand in front of the person I'm praying for, not like behind them, because you might be praying more joy, Lord, and they might be weeping, you know. <laughs> it's good to see what's going on. Just use your common sense. You guys are brilliant like this. Be practical. You know, if you're going forward for, to pray for someone, you just had a massive falafel and garlic wrap, it's not going to bless anybody. Like, take some chewing gum. You can be practical about this stuff. You know what I mean? We've, I, I've been prayed for by a gentleman who had kippers for breakfast once. I've got to tell you, it was a real test of faith. Kippers are like a type of fish. It was really fishy. Very, very fishy fish. And no one needs that in their life. You know what I mean? You don't want to come in front of church needing prayer and there's someone there. Breath of God, breathe on them. You're like, oh, Lord. (laughs) Just be sensible. A, A few house rules, common sense. But we always try and pray for people in pairs. Uh, if we can. And that's just to keep everybody safe. At least one person of the same sex praying for someone. That's because we want to make sure that um, we keep it really simple and we're praying for each other. So ideally, if you come forward for prayer, I'd love to encourage us to pray for people in pairs. That keeps it secure and safe. It makes it much more comfortable for everyone. Always ask permission before you pray for someone. Don't just assume because someone's wandered down the front that they want prayer. Say, is it all right if I pray for you? If they say, no, do you know what? I'm just trying to find my way to the toilets. (laughs) You know, it's important, right? And ask permission before you lay a hand on someone's shoulder. Because they may not be comfortable with that. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they are, you know, that they're loved less by God. It's okay. Stretch out a hand if that's the case. Just towards them. Pray holding your hand out towards them. Moses parted the Red Sea with an outstretched hand. So God can do a lot of things with our outstretched hands. And obviously, we're in a time of COVID where it's like, you know, crazy, right? So if someone comes forward and they're not comfortable, you praying for them close up without a face mask, just be, be kind and grab a face mask. We've got some spare face masks at the back and pray for them. Just say, would you mind if I pray for you? Would you rather have, to have a face mask? Is that, would that make you more comfortable? And so just use your common sense. We can be really practical about this. And then fourthly, be safe. Be safe. We try and call people forward um, to the front, not because um, 
the front is more holy than the back. The reason we call people forward to the front is so that the person leading the service can see what's happening. So we can keep people safe. It's, a, it's actually a safeguarding thing. We can see what's going on. Uh, I want to encourage us to respect the dignity of the individual, to affirm, never condemn. John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we never condemn people. Oh, you're not being filled with the Holy Spirit today. You must be a terrible person. You know, it doesn't work like that. And then a little note on confidentiality. Uh, again, it's common sense. But if someone says to you, I love prayer for my rash, later on at the coffee queue, you don't say, you'll never guess who's got a rash. That's not very helpful, right? The only exception to this is if you have a safeguarding concern. If anyone shares anything with you in church that you think constitutes a safeguarding issue, in other words, they're unsafe. It might be a domestic situation. It might be that they've expressed something to you. We take safeguarding really seriously for all the reasons you'll understand. We want this community to be a community that's very, very safe. And for more details on that, you can go to our website and you'll find details of how you can contact our safeguarding officers. But the point is this, when someone comes forward and and they say to you, I'd I'd like to tell you something that I've done, you can never promise total confidentiality. They say to you, I've I've done this terrible thing and you might need to involve the safeguarding team. It's really important that we all know that confidentiality is important, but safeguarding is also important. And we have an amazing team who work on safeguarding and they'd love, if you have any questions, you can contact them at any time. Another thing we don't do as a church, just so you know, we don't go for lots of prayer counselling behind closed doors. For the same reason, I want everyone to feel safe. I don't want to put you in a pitch situation as someone who's praying for someone where you're in a room on your own with somebody. We want to do everything we can to keep all our community safe. It's really important that, that we do that. And also, nobody is forced to do anything. Uh, You'll know this, but we don't force people to pray. We don't force anyone to come to church. You don't have to be here this morning. You don't have to respond if you want prayer. It's really important that we keep the dignity of the individual at the heart of what we do. And then finally, practically, be biblical. The Spirit of God and the Word of God, the Bible, are never in conflict. So if someone's praying for you and they're like, well, don't worry what the Bible says. This is the revelation I have from you, from God. That's probably not right. Because God's spirit wrote the Bible. He's never going to contradict himself. The truth sets us free. We build on biblical truths and promises. Now, if you sense the Spirit of God is saying something to you, if you have a word or a picture, we really encourage that. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes extensively about when we gather, everyone brings a hymn, an encouragement, a word, a prophetic word. He says, I'd love you all to speak in tongues. I'd love you to prophesy. The point is this. When we do that, we don't do it from a position of like, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord is saying to you this morning. No, we say, look, do you know what? I could be wrong. This is what I sense God saying, and I'll let you work out if it's right. And, you know, so often we stand up here and I, like, we have a prayer meeting beforehand and someone will say, I think there's some kind of church with a headache today. And we say, has anyone got a headache here? And I feel terrified because quite often I look really stupid and no one responds and no one's got a headache and, and everyone leaves. And I think, oh, no, I feel really stupid. That's okay. We're allowed to make mistakes. And also, quite often... God's working ways you don't understand. And so I'd rather stand up here and share stuff and say, look, I just wonder if God might want to do this than never share stuff because sometimes it's hugely encouraging. 
At the same time, when we gather and pray, we're not like super Christians. We have our L plates on. We get things wrong. It's okay. Um, if, if you sense God saying something, share it from a place of humility rather than like, hey, this is what the Lord is saying. You say, I just wonder if the Lord might be saying this to you. That's a little model, and, and day to day we have a team. Obviously, the reason we have a platform here, by the way, is not so that you can see me better. <laughs> no one needs that. Uh, but the point, reason we have a platform is so that people who are ministering on a Sunday can see what God is doing at the back of the room. And that's why we, when we gather, we wait on the Holy Spirit, we watch what the Holy Spirit is doing. And the team who are leading the service, our job is to keep this place safe and make it as accessible for everyone to receive from God. And then to have as much fun as we can. And back to where we started off, the Spirit of God loves to fill people. And it's so fun when he does. It's so fun when someone gets healed or someone gets encouraged or someone gets filled with the love of God. And this is like, how can I explain this? It doesn't need to be an intense thing that we do when we pray for people. When you pray for someone, you don't screw your face up in a ball and like they're all super intense. You can relax. Intensity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? You know, God doesn't hear your prayers anymore if you shout or if you whisper. The Spirit of God is going to do the work. You don't need to. You don't need to stress. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to move. Okay, theology, model. Everyone still with me? You're doing so well. Then we're going to come into land with this final thing. Practice. Theology, model, and practice. Now, the church throughout history has been really good at having a theology for things. Sometimes we develop a model for things. But that's good, but you've actually got to get on and actually do it for it to have an impact. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to have a chance to pray for one another. And we'll figure out how we do this as we go. But what I want to do is, is do a little... Um, uh, demonstration of how to pray for someone. So I'm going to ask Tando and Jason. Have you asked Jason? Is he all right? Okay, great. Jason, who's running our, our like tech today, come on up here. Can we welcome these guys up? So if you're online, let's have a wide shot so you can see these beautiful people. Okay, you guys good? Okay, who's going to pray for who? You can pray for him? Have we got time? Are you sure? He needs a lot of prayer. Okay, so it's what we're going to do. So Think of this as a little bit of a workshop. And, and what we're going to do is in a moment, we're all going to have a go at doing this. Even if you're at home watching this on your own on your sofa, you can pray for yourself. Or if you've got your dog next to you on the sofa, you can pray for your dog. You can practice, basically, okay? Um, so we're going to pray right now. And what I'd love us to do is the first thing you do when you're praying for someone is, is say hello. So Jason, why don't you say hello? Nice social distance wave. Um, and then really important to ask their name. Tanda. Okay, great. It's important to ask someone's name because they're precious. We don't just pray for like random objects. Um, and don't be afraid to say, what's your name? Can I just, okay, that's great. Your name's Tando. We're going to pray for you. And then we're going to say, well, Tando, is there anything we can pray for today? A long list. You're, you're... Okay, so we're going to pray for... Um, Tando. Uh, and uh, what, what I would encourage you at this moment is if someone comes forward and says, I'd love prayer for, well, I've got a really like long list. When I was four, my parents left me a little bit longer than they should have done in the, in the nursery, and I was a bit upset with that. And then when I was six, I didn't win the art prize at primary school. And when I was 15, the girl I fancied didn't call me back. And, you know, don't, don't get that life history. 
God already knows what he wants to do in their life that day. So when they come forward, just say, look, that's all right. Let me pray for that one thing and let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come. You don't need to have a long interview with them. As quickly as you can, lay a hand on their shoulder and pray for them. So why don't you maybe ask Tanda if he's comfy. Are you good? Can we put a hand on your shoulders? All right. You're looking so like uptight. <laughs> um, so, and then the thing I'm always praying at this point is really simple. I'm just praying, come Holy Spirit. So Jason, why don't you guys pray for that? And you can, you can actually pray. You don't have to like, you know, you know. At this point, I'm praying, come Holy Spirit for someone. And I'm expecting that the Spirit will begin to fill them by faith. And I keep my eyes open. Jason's doing this brilliantly. Tanner, you can close your eyes if you'd like to. Maybe hold your hands out. I know it's like a bit of a contrived situation, but Jason's praying for, for Tanner right now. And hopefully the Spirit of God will begin to fill Tando. Now, quite often when I'm being prayed for, I don't feel anything. I'm receiving by faith. But I can see the fruit of it in my life in that week ahead. And so it's worthwhile. So we're going to wait. And as we're praying for someone, just make space don't rush it. Don't be like, oh, I've prayed for you now. Amen. Off you go. Like, take time. You're like a sponge. When you dip a sponge in water to start with, it still stays quite hard. It takes a while for that sponge to, to absorb the water and to soften. In the same way, the Holy Spirit it takes us a bit of time sometimes to receive from him. And then what I would do is after a while, if you're praying for something specific like healing, just maybe ask Tando, like, what, do you sense anything going on? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, uh, but like, ask, check in with them and say, hey, what, what, what's going on in your life right now? Is there anything? That, yeah, and sometimes say, well, I'm just experiencing. You'd be surprised. Sometimes you, people are experiencing a sense of peace or a sense of joy or power. And then uh, what I tend to do is, uh, if, uh, particularly if you're praying for healing, here's a really useful thing. Um, if you start off by saying, okay, we're going to pray for, let's, let's say we we're praying for your ankle. Look at your shoes. Aren't these the nicest shoes? Let's say we we're praying for um, your ankle, your ankle's unwell. We'd say, well, um, would we be right just laying a hand on your ankle? Um, so let's say we're praying for Tanner's ankle. And after a while, I'd say, look, like, has the pain changed at all? Like, if it was out of 1 to 10, how bad was the pain when we started praying? If it was like 10 out of 10, and we prayed a bit, and it's now like a 5 out of 10, that's encouraging. So I'd keep praying. If nothing's changed, that's great as well. Don't place a burden on this guy, but just communicate. We can kind of demystify this stuff. It's not like um, uh, weird. This isn't weird. This is the stuff the church have done throughout the ages. So keep praying for a while. Then, really importantly, come into land when you're praying with someone, not with like, well, I'm going to stop there, Tando, because nothing seems to be happening. And uh, I think probably you need to go home and fast a bit more and then come back next week and we'll pray some more. Just like wrap it up with a really encouraging prayer. Lord, thank you for Tando. Thank you for his trainers <laughs> bless him in Jesus name but leave the guy like wanting more and wanting to come back so that we don't feel like it's a big burden can we give it up for these guys well done <laughs> the model prayer team <laughs> um, so a few other things real quick and then I'm going to hand back to Temi online and we're going to get to do this in the room here. The Christian life is a journey, a process. So we need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're leaky people. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians, be filled. And the verb filled is actually the present continuous. It means go on being filled. It's not like once like you fill up a thermos and it's done. No, it's a constant refilling, unlimited refills is how it works. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, if someone thinks they've been healed, 
That's amazing. Praise God. And we've seen God heal people loads over the last five years. God's done amazing things. But always, always, always say to them, please go and see your doctor and get it checked out. Don't stop taking medication. Don't stop doing what you're doing. If you sense God's healed, you, uh, remember our congregation, Abby, um, Dr. Abby, a few months ago, um, had a pretty serious medical condition, uh, a tumor in her abdomen. And she was really terrified. As a doctor, she knew what it meant. And she was prayed for in a service here, very, very kind of chilled, nothing major. She said, could you pray for me? Went home. Um, a week later, went for the pre-surgical scan on this tumor. And the tumor had completely disappeared. The doctor was like, it's completely miraculous. Now, that's a doctor among their colleagues confirming what's been done. And I love that story because it's, it's really encouraging when doctors get healed and they go to other doctors and they're like, oh, look, this has happened. It doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen that way. And sometimes you pray for people, nothing happens. Jesus still loves us, still with us. But just encourage you, be commonsensical about it. Go see a doctor. Um, and then a final thing. Sometimes you'll pray for somebody and you might think, well, Actually, has this person ever actually given their life to Christ? And so often I find that, particularly in the world we live in now, people are like, well, I'm not actually sure if I'm even a Christian. They're down the front getting prayed for, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really helpful to know how to lead someone else to Christ. Real simple. Sorry, thank you, please. Lord, I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong. Thank you that you died for me on a cross. Now, please, would you come and fill my life? That's how we lead someone to Christ. So it's worth you knowing that and just thinking, oh, if I'm going to pray for someone, have you ever given your life to Christ? No. Would you like to? Yes. Echo this prayer in your heart after me. So theology, model, and practice. And I want to, um, in a moment, we're going to have a chance to do this. And I want to encourage you that I'm not speaking um, today out of a place of like um, uh, being like an expert or that I've got it all sorted. I am just like you. I, I'm someone who's trying to work out how to make sense of the world, how to follow Jesus, and how to like, keep going. And at times, I feel, if I'm really honest with you, like I run on empty, like I'm on the kind of low power mode. There's definitely times in my life where I felt really um, spiritually dry. And... and, and in my experience, there's been seasons in my life where I felt like, a bit like the seasons of the weather, you know, sometimes it's arid and dry in my life, and I feel like God's not moving very powerfully. And if I'm really, if I can be honest with you this morning, I've been in one of those seasons the last, I guess, since the pandemic, when we all weren't able to pray for one another, and it felt really hard work, and suddenly we're all on our own, and online church is great. No offense if you guys are still watching online, but I love being in the room with people and having a chance to pray for one another. And we could do worship online, that's amazing and online you're going to worship together in a moment but the thing that I really missed was praying for people seeing the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit this week Liv my wife and I went on a retreat with um, some different church leaders from different networks and different parts of the church of England and different denominations Pastor Agu's denomination Hillsong New Wine Soul Survive all these different church streams coming together and there about 50 of us in this room we were gathering um, to pray for the nation Friday and um, Thursday 
And a friend of ours, Mike Pilavachi, who leads a, a movement called Soul Survivor, was leading a time of ministry. And I was at the back of the room, um, I'm afraid to say. I was at the back of the room for practical reasons. It was really cold, and there was a radiator. So I was like leaning on the radiator. Um, I was kind of like just at the back. And I thought, you know, right at the back of the room, I thought, nothing's going to happen at the back of the room. And Mike said, why don't we, why don't we all just um, wait on the Holy Spirit? And he invited the Holy Spirit to come. And I had a very low expectancy of God doing anything. And after a few minutes, um, uh, I was like, you know the thing where you're like, oh, that's nothing happening. I wonder what's going on Instagram. You know, <laughs> I wonder what's happening in the news. And my mind started to wonder a little bit. But I thought, I'm just going to keep focusing on Jesus. And then, to my astonishment, Mike said from the front, said, Al, I just sense that the Lord wants to fill you. And I thought, oh no, maybe there's two Al's here. <laughs> and there wasn't, there was only me. Uh, so he said, why don't you stand? And I stood up at the back thinking, oh, this is really awkward. Um, and as I stood up, I, I've got to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting this to happen at all, but I just sensed the power of God come on me in a way that I haven't felt for years. In fact, it was, it was so powerful that I couldn't stand up. I was bent double. Liv was praying for me. Liv was like, are you all right? This is like not how your back is meant to bend. But I was literally bent over double. And I felt really stupid, if I'm honest with you. I was in the room full of all these church leaders and my heroes. And there I was, like bent over double. But I, I felt like I literally couldn't stand up because it was like almost its hand pressing down on me. And... Again, a couple of friends came and prayed for me, and they said, we just sense the Lord resting his hand on you to empower you for this season. And it was so gracious of God. It wanted to remind me that in the Hebrew, that the word weight is the same as the word for glory, that, that, that it was literally felt like this weight resting on me. Now, I share that with you this morning because, A, I want you to know that as the rector, the church leader here, I need the Holy Spirit. I get dry and thirsty and I can't keep going without the power of God. But also, I just want to encourage you that I've been a Christian for 25 years and still God surprises me with his power at times when I'm not expecting it. So as I was bent over double under the power of God, um, somebody came over and began to prophesy and just said, just, we just sense that there's more for your church and there's more for what God is calling you as a group of people to do. And as they said this, I literally began to, to fall to the crown and shake. And I, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not like a way. I was literally like, this is super embarrassing now. This is like next level embarrassing. But I was on the floor, literally shaking. And I'm like feeling mortified while this happened, but I couldn't stop it. It was literally like the power of God was resting on me. And somebody said, and stood over me and prophesied, and they said, this is like in Ezekiel when the bones start rattling, rattling, rattling. And I was like, no, I've been preaching about that for ages. That's like the thing I felt God saying to our church community, that his power is going to come on us and the thing would start shaking. And so I share this with you because I, I left that meeting, um, A, full of the Holy Spirit for the first time in a long time. Some of you are thinking, oh, thank God, we've been praying that for a long time. But secondly, I, I share that with you to encourage you that I don't think this is just for me. I sense that God would want you to experience this power as well today. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.